Funk music spans a spectrum of sounds, from its origins as 1960s soul to the classic funk, P-funk, Afrobeat, and Afro-funk styles of the 1970s, or even blues funk for that matter, to hip-hop of the 1980s and beyond, to 90s funk rock, dance or house music, jazz, jazz funk, fusion, or organ jazz that are still going strong today, to 21st century cinematic soul, soul jazz, psychedelic soul, psychedelia, or even funk pop, funk continues evolving and growing across the planet. Funk, as a spectrum of music, as an attitude, and as a philosophy, is alive and well. This is Michael B., and in each episode of 40 Minutes of Funk, we'll explore a unique shade of funk, with artists and experts from all over the globe and across time. We'll spend at least 40 minutes in discussion with funk practitioners, and in most cases, even hear original music they provide. In the words of James Brown, godfather of soul, who's also been called the grandmaster of funk, whatever we do, it's got to be funky. Let's go. Today's guest is head of LA-based independent boutique record label F-Spot Records. Founded in 2014, the label has been working with numerous artists on the funk soul spectrum and specializes dropping vinyl 45s especially. Among their roster of nearly a dozen bands are the White Blinds, Mestizo Beat, Night Owls, Rhythm Roots All-Stars, Jungle Fire, and M Project, to name a few. Our guest is also a multi-instrumentalist who performs with the Bombillas, who are also on the label. Here to shine a light on F-Spot Records, the Bombillas, and more is David Celia. Welcome to 40 Minutes of Funk, David. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Did I pronounce all of those correct or even remotely co correct? Did I get bumped? You did. Yeah, there's a, there's a, that's one way to pronounce it. Um, How do y'all pronounce it? Is, I say Bombillas, my uh, sort of Northeast twang, cannot okay. do the correct pronunciation very well, but uh, everything sounded good on your end. Okay, great. Depends how well you can kind of roll your R's and get a little bit of that <laughs> sort of Spanish kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm also extremely white. And so when I do things <laughs> like that, I think it sounds like almost inappropriate. Like I should just stick uh -huh. to my whiteness <laughs> and just let it be. <laughs> well, where are you dialing in from today? I am in uh, Los Angeles, technically Altadena, okay, California, just just in Los Angeles. And um, you look like you are in something very studio-ish. There are guitars and basses yeah, this, on the this walls, is the F -spot, keyboards. Yeah, this is the F Spot HQ slash my personal studio uh, that I work out of every day. Uh, nice. Recent recent addition here. Yeah, I just moved in here in about August. Okay. Got this bigger space. So it's been really, really nice. Very cool. I, I can see like a Wurlitzer. Is that right? Over your left shoulder? I got uh, an RMI electro piano, and there's an ace tone over there, and a couple other combo organs. And there's a Hammond elsewhere. Oh, nice. Behind me, and tape machine, and. All the all the good things you need in life. All the fun toys. 
<laughs> well, as I a lot said, of toys the, around here. Yeah, well, as I said in the intro, F Spot Records is home to several musicians on the funk and soul spectrum. So, what do you think is the sound of F Spot Records, especially considering the acts that are signed to the label? Sure. Yeah. I, in in my mind, the way I've always perceived it is music that takes influence from, I guess, the, the 60s and 70s mainly, mm-hmm. um, while not trying to recreate that music exactly, but using that as a, a starting point and an influence, mm-hmm. um, mainly in the funk soul world, branching off then into you know how funk and soul traveled around the world too absolutely um is a real big interest especially the bombillas you know it's like what happened in africa when when they started getting james brown records mm-hmm. and then they heard that and took their own little twist on it oh yeah now we're kind of getting inspiration from that and doing our own little twist which is kind of bringing it back to you know how we were raised in post 70s world you know yeah. post 90s world yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a, a big full circle and yeah, I say that's, that's mainly the influence, you know, just kind of funk soul grooves out of the sixties and seventies that has been translated over time. Yeah. And we'll I keep translating it. for another hundred years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Afro beat, Afro funk fan. Love the sounds of, of Nigeria and, and so mm-hmm. many great countries that, as you said, were influenced by James Brown, not only when his music got there, but when he himself visited and hung out with cats like Fela Kuti sure. and stuff, right? It blew, blew their minds and then they melded it with their own, you know, unique heritage and style. And that yeah. created something crazy. And and then politics. Now we have in the politics. Yep. It's yeah. just the full culture. Yeah. And now cats are, you know, imitating that music and blending with you know how were we were raised with kind of more hip-hop beats and you know the things that came out of the 80s and 90s and i guess rock and roll a little bit too yeah yeah it's uh, i love that it is a sound that is not going anywhere and is in fact evolving just as as all funk mm-hmm. music has that's great that you all have been a part of that so when did the whole idea of starting a record label begin for you i would say it was uh, 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that? Eight, eight, eight years or so now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did it, did it on a whim? I guess. I guess like most small indie labels start. Um, you have someone who has recorded music and wants to put it out, and has more of an entrepreneurial, on, just sort of a mind to to do it themselves than shop it around. Yeah. Um, also, looking back to, you know, maybe the music's not as professional as it could have been. So putting it out is a lot easier than <laughs> trying to get rejected by a lot of people and to keep your self-esteem going forward. <laughs> I've always been someone that's just, you know, I'll just do it myself. I'll just kind of kind of get it going. Yeah. So, you know, always been a, a, a fan of vinyl and buying and collecting vinyl and seeing all the labels that yeah. were happening and... I looked up how to press some seven inches and the costs were relatively cheap back then and, and did the numbers and figured, Hey, I could sell these and at least make my money back easier right. said than done, but eventually it was possible. <laughs> well, so, so 
you mentioned that, you know, you listen to other, you know, seeing what other other labels were doing and listening to other other bands. Were, were there certain were there certain bands or sounds that you were listening to sir, that you could list off that were influencing the sound that you wanted to to recreate and 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 promote uh, through your own label? Sure. Yeah, I guess. I mean, number one, and as a lot of these labels have spun off, you know, of course, Daptone, you know, sure. what what they were doing is easily number one. Um, at the time, too, I think Coal Mine was just kind of getting started, too. Mm-hmm. I kind of got hip to them around in the early days, um, maybe 2010 or so. I forget when Terry started that. Mm-hmm. So I was seeing kind of those early 45s. Um, that he was putting out that were more kind of instrumental funk, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and other labels like truth and soul, which I don't yeah. think is around anymore, but all part of that New York scene. Mm. I was kind of really digging. Yeah. So do you think that being located in LA gives you access to certain kinds of sounds and styles that those other cats maybe were not accessing? Yeah, that's a good question. It definitely, as the label has progressed and you know, the kind of music we start putting out, it does have an LA feel, you know, Mm. there is, there is the difference between kind of New York and LA funk sounds Mm. and soul sounds. Can Um, you, can you describe that? Is that something you can put words to, or is it just something that you you know when you hear it? I guess, you know, when you hear it and it's not nothing new, it dates way back to, you know, probably the fifties and jazz and just what people were doing in New York and what people were doing in LA. Yeah. And that seems the same uh, with the Midwest too. You know, what's happening in the Midwest is totally different. Mm -hmm. It's kind of those, those three pockets. Yeah. I say kind of shaped the sound. Um, So, yeah, I guess some could say, you know, our sound is definitely more of an LA sound. Yeah. So Which uh, has been a goal. Has been a goal too. You know, I don't want to try not to recreate what those people are doing. It's just we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So, where does the name F Spot come from? It comes from uh, an old apartment I had slash band rehearsal space slash recording studio in my bedroom. Okay. Um, it was on Fredonia Drive, and my good buddy shout out to cassidy every place was like the spot to him i was like oh man let's let's go meet up at your spot let's uh let's do this spot or like come to my spot and we used to call my place the f spot because it was on fredonia drive (laughs) nice sort of got got coined that that term and things kind of took it from there yeah i have to uh i admit i have to keep correcting myself from calling it f stop records probably because sure. i was around violinists in high school uh full orchestra that is a thing for sure yeah have you had <laughs> trouble with other people calling it f stop or anything else uh, i've definitely gotten that before yep um yeah i enjoyed the question i like leaving a bit of mystery to it you know what does it really mean yeah the f could be whatever you want it to mean i like it <laughs> 
Well, in addition to owning and running F Spot Records, uh, you yourself are also a musician. I mean, clearly, look at the whole zoo of <laughs> musical instruments behind you. Um, <laughs> you you're also a, an artist who has uh, a, and a songwriter who's collaborated with several of the artists on your label. So, what is the balance for you between promoting everyone else's music, but also having your own musical voice that wants or needs to be expressed? That's a good question. Yeah, it's challenging at times. Um, it's definitely, you know, artists reach out to labels so they don't have to promote themselves. They have someone else do the job. Mm -hmm. um, it's always been a little challenging to kind of, you know, be promoting, especially like the Bombillas at times, talking about, you know, my baby and my myself in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who knows me, I'm extremely humble and don't really like to talk too much about myself. <laughs> so yeah, at times it's challenging. I just need to put that aside and kind of don't reference me too directly and just kind of press forward like I would with any other band and, you know, yeah. do it justice. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hear our first track for the show, uh, which is by Night Owls. How would you describe the sound of Night Owls? Night Owls is reggae soul. Um, what Dan and crew do is they take sort of classic soul songs. We all love um, some more familiar than others, some mm -hmm. kind of deep cuts that Dan is a wizard at. And they kind of flip them with uh, this sort of reggae Jamaican style. I wouldn't say it's kind of strict reggae, you know. They throw yeah. in a lot of other influences, Um but it sort of has that that root in sort of Jamaican undertones, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of soul, soul with Jama Jamaican undertones. Yeah. Listening to their catalog, it's funny because some of the songs that reggae influence is stronger than others, or at least more more obvious than others. Mm -hmm. For um, sure. Yep. Yeah. How did you originally start working with the members of Night Owls? Uh, it started with connecting with Dan. Dan Ubik, um, who, as I said, is a wizard and a master, um, especially in sort of the reggae universe. Um, if people don't know the band The Lions, mm -hmm. which he kind of produces and, and runs at this point, which are big L.A. reggae powerhouse group. Nice. Um, funny, yeah, he was super into The Lions, not even knowing Dan at the point, probably back in, I think, when their first album came out um on ubiquity that was just it kind of blew my mind at the time i loved it you know it's got the, the taste of sergio uh rios on it and mm -hmm. all of the orgone crew um it's sort of kind of orgone is a reggae band um, gotcha. if people haven't heard it before yeah. that's how definitely check it out yeah. um and then as the label grew and word got out kind of what I was doing and putting out, um, my friend Josh, I think, connected me with Dan. And we just kind of started a friendship from there. Um, we put out a 45 that Dan did from the Mad Geezers, which is another sort of kind of reggae project he has. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember hearing that and hitting Dan up and saying, you know, I love these tunes. I want to put them out. And we did that. And then 
a few months down the line he, line, he approached me with Night Owls. Very nice. Well, you sent me this song, Live and Let Live, which hasn't yet been released. So, listeners, you're about to hear a tune that hasn't even been issued to the public yet. It uh, is up next. It is coming soon. Yes, good. Well, thanks excited. for sending that our way. I'm I'm excited about you know getting to play it here um, before it's it's out on all of the uh, the platforms. Can you tell us about this song, "Live and Let Live," and about uh, Night Owl's plans to release it? This song features uh, um, Miles Tackett on vocals. Uh, another thing Night Owls do is you know the the core group is the four members of Dan Ubeck, Roger Revis, Blake Cole and Dave Wilder as mm -hmm. part of the rhythm section. And then each signal, single, um, they bring in a featured singer to kind of kind of do the cover. And this one features Miles Tackett, who many will know from the group Breakestra. Yeah. Um, and also, yep, Miles is great. Um, definitely the man in terms of funk 45s in the funk world. Like, that guy, that guy is it. Nice. Um, people in LA might know Miles too from Funky Soul, which has this been this long running sort of DJ night here in town every Saturday night. Oh, cool! And I used to spend many Saturdays at Funky Soul, so it's just great, full circle. Yeah. And uh, I was just going to ask. So when when uh, is this uh, song uh, slated to be released? I'm assuming on it, on vinyl. It will be yep, vinyl forty five. I think it's the B side. Um, so it's it's tough. A lot of Niles forty fives. They're kind of double A sides. You know, not one <laughs> one reigns more supreme than the other. Right. Um, it is. I think we're set for uh, the twenty third of February for the announcement to go out. And okay. I think if I have my calendar date. Yeah, the twenty third. It will be available digitally too. Actually, no. Right. It will be available March twenty fourth digitally. Okay. So yeah, listeners are getting pre like pre orders on the twenty third. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, let's hear it from Night Owls. It's the yet-to-be-released song, Live and Let Live. Forget when you die. Oh, nobody 
today's special guest david celia from f spot records so david what is your own musical history before there was an f spot records there was a david celia who enjoyed listening to and playing music when did you first pick up a musical instrument yeah good question uh, um part of a musical family i guess um started i guess i played piano first at age four but really Drums was my thing and got a drum set at age eight. And I've been playing, yeah, drums ever since then. And then got really into sort of back into piano and into guitar in high school. Um, so sort of a multi-instrumentalist in that in that sense. Um, bands in high school, you know, um, was fortunate that my dad had you know, recording background. Um, so we had a recording studio at our house uh, in New Hampshire, where I grew up. And I guess that's where the bug sort of started in terms of records recording mm -hmm. is my friends and I would spend the whole weekend just kind of in my dad's studio recording stuff and kind of get wild thinking back those days. Um, it was kind of like, you know, discovering recording and discovering music in the way yeah. that kind of the Beatles did or something. At that time, you know, we were all sort of super into classic rock and the Beatles and Pink Floyd and just that whole world. Yeah. So we would make these sort of 10 minute long recordings with all these different sections that would weave in and out. And, you know, we're very sort of Pink Floyd-esque in that sense. And they were just really, really trippy. Um <laughs> sort of just reverse reversing guitar solos and just doing crazy stuff. And um, I guess that's it. Yeah. Where the, where the bug kind of started. Yeah. And then that led me to um, going to college for music, uh, Berkeley college of music. Okay. Where I studied uh, film scoring and composition. Nice. And then th that led me to Los Angeles. All right. Which is what I mainly do besides the label is um sort of writing for tv oh and really stuff i had no yep. idea can you can you share any any things that are public knowledge out there about uh stuff that you've you've scored for yeah i've been working i guess the main the main guy is uh this show on the bbc called death in paradise 
okay. which I've been co-composing um, about eight years now. Yeah, we just wrapped up this week the twelfth season. Wow! Congratulations. Yep. That's a, so I've been work, working a on that accomplishment. For, yeah. Yep. It's been the past six months. Been working on that. Wow. And I'm working on another show right now, which I can't disclose, but hmm. that'll be out there out later this year. Can you give us a really vague hint that won't give it away, but maybe gives us an idea for the style of what you're, you're writing for? Sure. Um, well, Death in Paradise is fun. I'll just start there because it does have a lot of, takes place on a Caribbean island. So there's a lot of sort of reggae undertones to it. Okay. And sort of island kind of stuff. Um, and I've had some fun on some seasons, you know, just doing stuff at a pure joy, like recording my drums to tape and just having fun when there's more time and I'm able to experiment. I can do things like that. Yeah. Then it's mixed also just with classic um, police procedural murder investigation music, which is a lot of fun too. Okay. And the new show is funny enough. Also kind of a Caribbean Island esque Latin sort of vibe. <laughs> okay. Also you, but the new one, or is that going to also be it is going to be on Apple. Okay. TV plus. Yep. All right. It is any... a children's show though. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. So in any time frame where that's going to be released and probably in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Probably in the fall. Okay. I don't think we wrap until June. All right. So got a good amount of time. So fall 2023 on <laughs> Apple plus a children's show. That's going to feature the music of David Seeler. That's really cool, man. Um, are you playing everything on that? Or do you play certain instruments and hire out, you know, musicians to, to fill in other parts? It's a little of both. I tend to play a lot. Um, there are a few, few spots where, we, yeah, we do hire out some other people mm -hmm. that can do it better. Yeah. A lot of the times... I'll maybe do a demo guitar part and it sounds good. It sounds all right, but I know someone could play it better than me. So the final version will, will kind of will sub in the thing gotcha. and things like wind instruments will, will, will sub out to people to record. Gotcha. So do you have children of your own who you can like tease this, this music with? Not yet. Okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> Well, let's. Uh, I w I'm real curious about one other area of you of yourself as a music appreciator that is outside of your day job, and that is one of vinyl record collector. I mean, you work for a label that makes records, and you you know you mentioned having you know your own collection. Um, can you tell us maybe some of the gems in your personal collection? Gems the to gems. You. gems to you. They yeah, don't have to necessarily to be like, you know, <laughs> monetarily valuable, but things that you're uh, especially proud of or, or enjoy having in your collection. I'm trying to think. I have some, I guess the first gem that, that I thought was real special, uh, I got in high school. It was, it must be a test pressing or something, maybe a bootleg copy of Dark Side of the Moon. Um, on this green vinyl, this like green transparent vinyl. Yeah. And especially in high school, like color vinyl was definitely not a thing like it is now. 
Yeah. Um, it always has been in some way, some fashion, I guess. I'm not sure when this was pressed. Yeah. Uh, it, look, it looks like a radio copy or some, really don't know what it is. I found it just in a bin at a record store. Wow. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, so that one kind of stands out. Um, I have a few, I guess, original jazz pressings that I like. Um, a few original Beatles stuff I got from my dad, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's trying to think. I got to look look at the wall over there. Um, and then, yeah, I guess other stuff where I've where I started to kind of buy more in the past five years, I would say, is expand my knowledge of sort of sort of like the Bombillas is after sort of the world music kind of genre. Yeah. Um, I think I have an original. Um, um, actually, I don't. But yeah, it's, a lot of that stuff is, you know, new releases. You know, it's all people releasing that stuff. It's hard to find sort of the original pressings. Yeah. But that's okay with me. I like just kind of buying it and listening to it and expanding my knowledge yeah. in that area. As a fellow vinyl collector, uh, I'm of the belief that every collector has at least one guilty pleasure record or artist in their collection. Uh, (laughs) What's a record on your shelf that you love but would surprise others to know that you own? Oh, man. Man, tough question. There's got to be one, but nothing's coming to mind. Um, I know my wife bought... um, some 45 that was ridiculous that's been um do you remember what it was yeah trying to think um not off the top of my head i was like tina turner or something or some some definitely some 80s jam that was really yeah it was just like we we gotta have this um (laughs) yeah i don't know i have a Strangely, not really strangely, but especially in college, I was just buying up crates of classical records at 50 cents. Mm. Um, Definitely a lot of classical records that I'll probably never listen to again. (laughs) Sitting over there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you have any funk in your uh, collection? Uh, A little bit. Yeah, mostly mostly kind of new funk, I guess. Stuff that's been the last 10 years or so. Yeah. while I do love the classics, I probably have more Funk 45 than kind of the LPs. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the songs on 45 that I really dig. Sure. But yeah, my collection's mostly, it's heavily on, on the jazz side, the classical side, the um, getting into really expanding the world music side and kind of the reggae side. Yeah. And then your classic, classic rock side, you know, from yeah. Yeah, everything I just said. Japanese Beatles, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, the band. Yeah. yeah. Kind of classics. Yeah. Yeah. I think just about everybody's got yep. any sort of substantial record collections probably got some of that in it for sure. Mm-hmm. Got to have the classics. Totally. On vinyl. Got to mm-hmm. have them on vinyl. Uh, well, I'd like to ask you about what I call funk with a capital F. And it's the idea that 
funk is more than just a musical genre. It can be a philosophy or perspective. What is a funk philosophy that you relate to uh, either as a musician or as a label owner? Or a funk um, philosophy? Yeah, I would say if it feels good, it is good. You know, don't yeah, don't try to do don't try to make something because you're told to make it or you think people will like it. If it feels good to you and it makes you move and makes you groove, then it's good. Put it out. Get it out there. Yeah. Not everyone's going to love it. Not everyone's going to dig it. But, you know, it's music that speaks to you. And, and I think that that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. I I agree, man. That's a good that's a good philosophy for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to hear our next track, which is by your band, the Bombias. Now, full disclosure uh, for our listeners, you sent me tracks from seven different bands on the F Spot label, and it was my choice to play something from the Bombias. So, um, you know, David didn't make me play this, um, although that would have been fine if he did. It was my choice, but I just thought I've got you on the line. We've got to talk a little bit about the Bombias. Um, can you give us a brief history of the band? Who's in it? Who plays what? And how did you come together? Yeah, I would love to. Um, it sort of started um, 2017, I guess, maybe 2016. Um, I recently left a band at the time uh, that was a little, little rough at the time um, and felt a little lost, didn't really know, you know, what I wanted to do. And part of that band, the struggle was always, you know, being sort of restrained in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to get my own thing going on. Um, being someone who always writes and composes, I just kind of did these demos of two tunes and went into a studio here in LA run by my friend, Josh Wiener. Um, which we also recorded the first White Blinds album at his studio. Mm-hmm. And went there and hired um, Aquiles from Mestizo Beat. He's been a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. And my friend Donovan, who played bass, and we just cut the rhythm section for this first 45 that was put out, um, yeah, 2017 or 2018. Okay. And at the time, yeah, it was definitely influenced bringing into that sort of North African, Middle Eastern vibe with Funk. Uh, the two tracks were Tortuga and Kings Up. Mm-hmm. And it also had a little fuller orchestration with a uh, horn section and some flutes, um, which has always been, you know, my love. I love cinematic soul and just instrumental music with absolutely a little fuller orchestration and, you know, especially flutes and sax gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Um, be it a composer too, you know, that's just, I love that stuff. I love that old, old library music, as they say. Oh, yeah. Um, so that 45 came out and, and then it sort of, the idea kind of sat around for a little while. Um, it was always this name and this project I had. Um, but I didn't really know what to do with it. I tried recording a few other tracks. Um, I think just me playing everything. But as much as, you know, I can kind of do that, it just doesn't have the right feel. I feel if it's just me kind of doing it all. I need 
it needs the interaction of other other mm -hmm. musicians other people you know other flavors sure. to really sound sound good um and that's the chemistry you get with musicians playing together is you're not you don't all have the same feel so right you know then it, then it kind of feels like an organic um and so I was talking with uh, Michael Duffy from the White Blinds. Mm -hmm. um, I think he probably suggested like, hey, the Bombeos is dope. Like you should do something with it. And I was like, yeah, I know, you know, I just don't really know what to do. Because the first 45, I played drums and then I played keyboards on it as well. Mm -hmm. So it was always like, I don't know, am I going to play drums in the group? Am I going to play keyboards? I don't really know like what direction to go. Mm-hmm. And so Duffy was like, I'll play drums. You know, we'll get Josh, who who recorded the first 45, who's also a great bass, bass player and guitar player. Um, we'll get Josh on bass. I'll play drums. You play keyboard, and we'll find a guitar player. And then it kind of grew out of that, kind of forming then more into a smaller quartet kind of feel. Yeah. And the real real kickers, yeah, when we found Tyler Nuffer, who is a, just a wonderful genius mind on guitar and more importantly his lap steel work mm. which he does then once once tyler was kind of on board and we kind of found this sound that's kind of with the lap steel and it's going full-on sort of psychedelic kind of vibe with it yeah um that's sort of where it morphed into what it is today so do the bombillas uh do you guys play local shows or are you primarily a studio band I would say primarily studio, but we have played live a few times. Um, we had a good run of shows, little residence last year. That was a lot of fun. The tricky thing that's been with the Bombias, especially, so we recorded a full-length album. Mm -hmm. And then like most things, as we know, the pandemic hit right at the time that was being released. Right. And so... It was hard to kind of get the momentum playing live shows. Everything was kind of shut and kind of down. And so when finally things started lifting here in LA, sort of beginning of last year, we started getting out. Mm. But it's it's mostly been a studio project. Okay. Where does the name of the band come from? It comes from, uh, I'm pretty sure it means light bulb in Spanish. Um <laughs> I went to Home Depot and bought a light bulb and it was sitting on my kitchen table and I was trying to think of a name to call this project. And yeah. on the uh, package, it said Bombias and had a little picture of this light bulb. That's great. Like you were looking for <laughs> an idea and you literally uh -huh. have the light there bulb. There we go. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, and the first, the Tortuga Kings Up 45 has a, a light bulb on it. <laughs> That's cool. But also, Bombi is also um, the straw you put into a gourd to drink yerba mate out of. Oh, okay. So also that. It's also um, referencing kind of yerba mate. And so, yeah, the first when I the first designs I did for, for that was sort of a light bulb with a yerba mate straw coming out of it. Nice. Nice. Well, you sent me the song, Senebi, which is... Senebi, uh, yep. Sinebi, uh, which is the B-side from your 2022 single, Knock Knock? Knack Knack. Knack Knack. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I can't pronounce you got anything. It. <laughs> um, 
The color vinyl alone is beautiful, by the way. I saw a picture of it. Online. Yeah, I love love the teal. The, the melting really well. logo on the top as well is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this dark, almost modern take on Afrobeat that, at least to me, uh, that, I, that I hear in this. Um, what can you tell us about this song? Yes, it's a good way to point it. You know, a lot of these Bombia tracks, we don't give them too much thought. They just kind of happen. Mm-hmm. Um, subconsciously, we're taking ideas from that Afrobeat, African, Middle Eastern world, and then just processing it through our own brains, but not really verbally and just kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song started, I think, with, I think Duffy and I were just jamming before rehearsal one day on a groove. And I think that's that's where Bones of It started. And then I think in that rehearsal, we just kind of fleshed out the rest of the tune. Yeah. And then like most Bombia songs, we sort of write them and record them kind of right away. That's how this one came about. Yeah. Where's the title come from? Where does the title? I tend to, with a lot of the Bombilla songs, either make up words or (laughs) think of things that sound like words that sound sort of exotic, so to say. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think I just thought it up like, oh, that sounds like, you know, something. And then I looked it up and Sinebi, I think it's like an Egyptian prince or something. All right. So I was like, oh, that's, that's fitting. That sounds okay. good. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let's hear it from the Bombias. It's Sinebi.
We're back with my special guest, David Celia from F-Spot Records. And I'd like to take a moment and turn over the interview now to some of my Patreon supporters who reached out with questions of their own. Esther asks, how do you decide what bands to bring into your label? Yeah, good question. Um, It's got to be music that I like, number one. Um, Usually I could tell within the first five seconds, um, Mm. which I don't don't know how that that sounds, but, you know, you can just tell. It's just a feeling, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's kind of as the label has evolved, you know, and I think like with most labels is you have a few of your top sort of producers you trust and are sort of, you know, repeat kind of releases. Mm -hmm. And if you look at our catalog, it's been sort of either stuff I've done, um, stuff that Dan has done and you And of course, um, kind of the maestro of it all, Sergio Rios, who has Mm -hmm. stretched across many labels and many bands. And, Mm -hmm. you know, his recordings at Killian um, are just always top notch. And we have a few, few of his productions on the label. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. There's definitely looking through the roster of your bands on your website. I can say, okay, this cat's from this band, this cat's from this band, this cat. So it's cool to see all these kind of cool collaborations between artists that i i love that it's not like no i'm in my own band this is all that i do i don't have you know whatever i love that no let's let's collaborate let's work together um even like you said yeah it's uh, it's very much a family in la it's i mean the funk funk soul world here it's pretty small and everyone knows each other and everyone's friends and you know down to just just make music and down to collaborate and as i said if it feels good it is good so yeah just get it out well, Patreon supporter Jim asks, we kind of know the answer to this, but I have to ask it because he sent it to me. <laughs> Why didn't you go with G-Spot Records? <laughs> Has anyone asked you that before? <laughs> Surely, right? Surely that's come up before. No, I've never gotten that question. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you got it here. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I've, I've always wondered if some people think the F, F means something else. Um, yeah. You know, it could very well could in some people's minds uh, f could to also me, be funk spot you know? i was gonna no. say f to me means funk so yeah <laughs> uh-huh well thanks so much to my patreon supporters for their questions even jim's uh participating on the podcast is just one of the many perks they get for their monthly financial help listeners if you'd like to ask future guests questions there's more info about our patreon page at the end of the show and patreon supporters get a little something special today david has sent over the very first f spot records releases for your enjoyment it's ground coffee and steppin by m project david thanks so much for sending those uh to my patreon supporters yeah definitely those are oldies but goodies oh they're great man i love them i'm gonna play them <laughs> on my radio show um can you tell us about M Project and how those first songs came together? Yeah, um, that was again recorded at the original F Spot. Uh, okay, back when the studio was in my bedroom and we sort of had band practice space in the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was living with a guitar player friend of mine um, at the time. And we also had this other band, Beat Mosaic, um, which was more of a sort of a larger ensemble, I guess, six to seven people. Um, and occasionally, you know, we would just jam with the four of us as sort of a quartet kind of style. Um, I think, I'm trying to remember back, I think it originally started with, with we had a Beat Mosaic gig that kind of fell through with a lot of members, but we still wanted to do the gig as a quartet. So I think we drove up to, I think it was up in Ventura mm. for these epic sort of four set nights we would go up there. Um, and we just went up there as a quartet and, you know, we're like, yeah, we'll still do the gig. And we just made, made up songs the whole time. We just jammed mm. and made up songs for like four hours. Wow. Um, sort of in that sort of funk jazz world, you know, things that could be songs. The, it was a bar gig. No one knows. <laughs> people were getting drunk having a good time and we were having fun too just just taking solos and jamming just kind of going out which has always yeah. been a love of mine um especially growing up in the northeast and in the whole jam bound world in high school and Modesky martin wood being sort of my number one oh, kind of group hell yeah yeah so just that instrumental long form extended sort of stuff is is my jam yeah um (laughs) and yep (laughs) yeah and we just it was fun and we decided let's just record you know a few songs of it um in project sort of is sort of like improvised project i guess you could you could say that's where the name comes from Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense. Uh, i think we wrote yeah we wrote those songs in like five to ten minutes and then just hit record wow yeah i guess to finish off just that story um was a yeah i I just acquired kind of a four track sort of old machine at the time too okay and that was part of let's just try i think we recorded it straight just to four tracks the whole thing you know one one track for drums one for guitar one for keyboard one for bass that's really cool and it sounds great still today even on on sure yeah simple setup (laughs) one of the early ones i still don't mind listening to (laughs) (laughs) right I'm curious, is owning and running a record label what you imagined it would be like? That's a good question. Um, I've been thinking back throughout the years, and especially those early days. Didn't know nothing. I was not smart on a lot of stuff. Figuring this out one step at a time. Right. Um, which I which I think's been good. It's it's kept me humble in certain ways, and it's definitely a learning experience. Each release, each day, um, I would say, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of work. It's definitely not, you know, kind of. Oh, I'm just going to press some records and get them out, and you know, there's a lot more to that. Um, yeah. And to, to keep it growing, yeah, it's 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 a project for yeah. sure. And just the mountains of cardboard boxes you need to acquire and shipping (laughs) materials, um, dropping, you know, thousands of dollars on boxes. It's not something I envisioned in the first place. (laughs) Not something that they, uh, they tell you when you're getting into it, huh? They don't tell you that at record label school is, uh, (laughs) be prepared. (laughs) I love it. 
if 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 you're the kind of label that you know i have always taken pride in it's definitely a do-it-yourself record label you know it's very it's 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 homey i'm not not farming these records come straight to me they don't get farmed out to some third-party distribution network and then get shipped without me ever seeing them wow i I handle each one i barcode each one and put the stickers on each one and package each one so wow well i'd like to hear our last tune for the day uh it's a song by organ trio the white blinds uh, who have a new release coming soon and i have to admit the first time i heard them i totally got these delvon lamar organ trio vibes um, not just because of the Delvon Lamar organ side of things, but also the guitar sounded reminds me of Jimmy James a lot. Um, how would you describe the sound of the White Blinds? Sure, yeah, I, we would describe it as sort of the classic organ trio setting through a filter of Los Angeles. Mm. Um, not only are they, you know, taking influences from classic soul jazz. Uh, from the 60s and 70s and sort of that kind of not necessarily boogaloo but you know sort of more of that kind of not straight ahead sort of soul jazz but Mm -hmm. a little more with the funk side of it um but then also melding and you know a little bit of some afrobeat undertones or latin influences um and all this stems from michael duffy you know he's got a great knowledge of you know, all things Latin, upbeat, funk, soul, reggae. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just filtered through his mind pretty much of of what he does and likes. And it just kind of forms this sort of, again, melting pot of cultures that you find in Los Angeles. And I think, yeah. I, think it, I think it makes them unique for sure. Sure. Well, you sent over their song Bay to L.A., which is from their new upcoming album. What can you tell us about this album and when it's coming out? It is available for pre-order currently. Um, It is out next Friday, I think it is, the 10th, February 10th. February 10th, okay. So February 10th, um, I think the day after this airs, Mm -hmm. it will be officially out into the world um i'm starting to package pre-orders now so people should be receiving them soon it's a screamer and it should be in stores it is a monster record (laughs) i yeah i I really am am an instant overnight fan love it yeah so this is going to be in record stores then um also on by mark by february 10th yep it should be um we have um we do have distribution too that kind of handles a lot of the store store to store sale and it's been getting out to stores um, that are placing orders. I would say for fans, if you don't see it in your store, let them know about it. Um, you know, we're s- still a small label. A lot of stores who don't know too much about us are reluctant to buy new vinyl. Mm. Funny enough, you know, it's, it is, is a challenge to kind of get stores hip to you and trust it. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with customer demand. So if customers want it, be sure to let your store know. Um, that definitely is the lifeblood of labels, you know, store sales yeah. and keeping them out and getting them out to fans. Yeah, that's good advice. So they that's either email me directly if they can't find it um, at their store, or their store can email me, or um, I could link them to our distribution partner, which is probably okay. the best bet. And what's the title of this uh, new album? 
It is Prishiecha. That's All right. capitals. So if you spell it out. When I saw that first, I was like, pre oh, appreciate you. That's amazing. Appreciate you. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. It's great spelling. That's all. Oh, yeah. Michael Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love that. It's very phonetic. And uh, you never, I, I never think mm -hmm. about the spelling of appreciate you, but they nailed it. Uh, For sure. I, I think, yeah. right. Well, let's hear it. Here's Bay to LA by the White Blinds.
Today's guest is David Celia from F Spot Records, and I'd like to take a second and give a quick social media shout out. When I put out a call for future interview ideas, Instagram user at runvatorun actually suggested F Spot Records, saying this label is insert three fire emojis. And uh, he also tagged the White Blinds, Night Owls, and the Bombias, uh, all as bands he wanted to hear on the show. So thanks at Run Vato Run uh, for those suggestions. Yeah, and thanks, David, for representing so many hot acts today. So you've told us about new music from Night Owls and the White Blinds. Any other new releases uh, coming up in 2023 that we need to know about? Sure. We're um, same time this next Night Owls drops. We have a Jungle Fire 45 coming out. Oh, nice. Uh, being announced at the end of February, who, who I'm sure many people might know Jungle Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, friends in LA and just naturally that these kind of this kind of worked out. I would say these, these two teams are a little different than what they kind of normally do, which why we felt it was a good good fit for F Spot. Yeah. Um they have have uh, a guest singer on them who we nice. featured on the late ball several times. So it's only kind of fitting that, you know, he featured with us. Um thinking forward we have a new signee coming out to the label, uh a new LP yeah. that will drop in the summertime. Uh the Tim Carmen trio. Um killer app. Album. Tim is the drummer for GA20. Oh, band. nice! Yeah, yeah. On a coal mine, he's or... yeah. Tim, Tim is awesome guy. So nice all around, and has his own sort of side organ trio po- project out of Boston. Very nice. And di- different, different than the White Blinds. Um, they definitely do their own thing a little more of kind of the blues, jazz, soul side of things. Yeah. Um, real gritty. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one. So look out for that. It's probably the, the next the next big release coming up. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. GA20 is that he's got a real gritty blues sound. So that's cool. I, I can't wait to hear from mm-hmm. that. Um, well, what about the Bombias? You had an LP in 2020. You had the uh, the new single in 2022. Any chance for a new LP this year? Not this year, but we're starting to get back back to some writing and some stuff. We've had a little hiatus. Um, I hate to say that I've been <laughs> a little bogged down with work to, to, to fully fully commit to some, sure. some new stuff. But it is on the docket to get some new, new tunes. At least uh, they're 45 probably next. Yeah, very good. Well, David, what have we not covered today that you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I think I think we did good covering a little history and some of the current acts. Um, I would just say, you know, if people are digging some of these, dive into our catalog and and just check out some of the, the past releases. Yeah. Um, there's some some old oldies there, but some goodies. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, where what are the best places? Where are the best places to go for listeners to find out more about F-Spot Records? Definitely the website, fspotrecords.com. Uh, we'll list all our releases um, and show the ones that we have in stock currently. Uh, you could 
also find them on our Bandcamp, fspotrecords.bandcamp.com. Okay. And either site, you could listen to all the tunes. Uh, we have links on our site to to play and give previews. And also on Bandcamp, you could listen and give previews. Um, or search anything on, everything's on Spotify and Apple Music and all the digital services too. All right. Well, David, it's been such a blast talking with you today. Um, I was already a fan of several bands on your label. And as I mentioned, I've become an instant fan of the White Blinds and the Bombillas uh, when you sent them my way. I love the music that you're helping uh, make and distribute. And I enjoy using this podcast and my radio show as uh, an oppor- as opportunities to help spread the word about uh, the kinds of music uh, that you're doing. So Please keep up the great work. Thanks again for all that you do and for being my guest today on the 40 Minutes of Funk podcast. Awesome. My pleasure. So so happy to connect with you and, and do this. And I've enjoyed, I've listened to your podcast and enjoy, enjoy what, everything you do and talk about. It's great. Well, thank you very much. Let's, uh, let's stay in touch. Uh, I, I want to keep hearing and, and promoting the music you're doing. Like I said, the uh, radio show is a great way to to get that instrumental stuff out there. So please uh, keep sending stuff my way so I can help get it out to more listeners. Um, give my best to uh, the rest of the guys in in the bands on in the F spot record label and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. All it's right. been a pleasure. You bet. Thanks, David. Cheers. Well, friends, after a very lengthy break, much longer than I was planning, to be honest, we're back with the first show for 2023. Thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. After the winter holidays, I had several art exhibitions to hang and prepare for. Then several scheduled guests for the podcast had to cancel or reschedule. So I'm just going with the flow and letting the funk work it out. Thanks so much to today's guest, David Celia from F-Spot Records and the Bombillas for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed getting to know more about him and his awesome record label, and I look forward to hearing more from bands on the F-Spot label in the future. Hope you enjoyed the talk as much as I did. Thanks again to Instagram follower at RunVatoRun for suggesting F-Spot Records, Night Owls, and the Bombillas to be featured on the show. If you've missed 40 Minutes of Funk during the break, perhaps you'd consider supporting the show to help ensure we keep bringing you top guests and music each week. I'm looking for more supporters to join my Patreon network in 2023, and you can give as little as $5 a month or up to $20 or more. Patreon supporters get special perks like interacting with guests on the show like Esther and Jim did. They also get exclusive bonus content, like the first tracks ever recorded by F-Spot Records, two tunes by M-Project. Thanks again to David for sending those our way. Supporters also get the inside scoop for future guests, ad-free content, and merchandise discounts, like on our official 40 Minutes of Funk t-shirts. If you'd like to show your support for this podcast, please consider joining my support team at www.patreon.com slash 40 minutes of funk. You can also send a one-time gift of any amount at www.buymeacoffee.com slash 40 minutes of funk. I really appreciate your help keeping this podcast going. 
If you're on social media, you can also support the show by liking, following, sharing, and commenting upon my posts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for at 40 Minutes of Funk using the numbers 4 and 0. That's also a great place to send me DMs with feedback about the show. Our website is www.40minutesoffunk.com where you can find links to all past episodes, t-shirt sales, and more info about the podcast itself. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave reviews wherever you hear it. Thanks so much. Hey, did you know I also have a Spotify playlist for each season of 40 Minutes of Funk? Yeah! If you want to listen to the tunes we played on the show again, and even some of the tunes we talked about but didn't get to, just head to Spotify and search for 40 Minutes of Funk Playlists. Each week, I update this season's playlist with tunes from the latest show. I also host a weekly radio show on Friday nights called Tonic, the Funky Groove Show on Oklahoma City's NPR station KGOU. You can listen live every Friday night from 9 to 11 p.m. Central online at kgou.org or tell your smart speaker to play KGOU. You can find the show on social media at Funky Groove Show. Special thanks to Rettenbacher's Funkistra for providing the tune functionality for the show's intro. The 40 Minutes of Funk theme music is written and copyrighted by me, and performed by an amazing lineup of musicians. More info on the 40 Minutes of Funk website. Remember, funk music is all about being on the one. Simply put, treat everyone equally. Be kind to others, especially those who are different from you. Be well, friends. Thanks again. I'll catch you next time.